We're gonna talk about the Cardinals all night long. Good evening and welcome into our third special trade deadline show for Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftaw at C70 on Twitter. Joining me tonight, we've got double-barreled action. We've got Jason Hill from Viva Albertos and the Viva Albertos podcast. Find him at jphill underscore cards on the Twitters and my gateway co-host, David Jones. You'll find him at IPOP editor guys. Thanks for joining me at the end of what has been a intense. I don't want to say crazy because I don't know that it was that crazy, but it was still a very different trade deadline. I will be very thankful to not have to look at Twitter for a couple days after this. (laughs) Uh, I am tired of refreshing. (laughs) Did anyone else have Twitter PTSD? Like after it went down at like six thirty tonight, here I was still refreshing Twitter, and I called. I caught myself doing it. I'm like, what? What am I looking for at this point? Like, it's nothing else is happening. It's it's over. I can I can put Twitter down and do something else with my life now for the first time in three days. Well, I just kept expecting one of those like after the fact deals that we find out about where the Cardinals picked up the 38 year old veteran starting pitcher, which I I think I guarantee that that was going to happen and it didn't. Or, you know, John Heyman announcing that Arson Judge was going somewhere, (laughs) any of those things. And yeah, I I finally put my phone down and I'm like, I don't need to know anything. And then it's like, I think Denton comes out and is like, here's where the guys slot into the uh, top 30 and I'm like ooh, new material and so yeah, no I gotta right. stop I just have to stop yeah well it was kind of that way with that last edition uh, Zach uh, Showalter for the for the Flaherty trade I had I had the article written on Viva Alberto's had posted it and everything and then suddenly looked and oh there's a third player so yeah it kind of kind of get a little jump the gun I guess on that one but that's the nature of the trade deadline yeah I got off work at 5 30 and drive home which is like five minutes maybe and so I had put everything down, obviously, for that point in time. And I pick up my phone and David has sent me a message about, oh, Showalter. And I'm like, what does Buck Showalter have to do with any of this stuff? And, <laughs> right. and I was like, Whoops. oh, it's another player. Okay. I was like, I mean, did they add him into a deal somewhere? I, I don't remember. But anyway, so like David and I on Gateway spent a lot of time on the Sunday trades, Jordan Hicks and um, the Montgomery Stratton trade but jason just you know kind of overall on both of those trades what were your thoughts and did the cardinals do what they needed to do um i i thought i was really pleased with the um the results there i did listen to uh gateway and thought you guys did a great job of breaking it down um uh now just just as a a little warning a, a precursor for many troubles to come names at this point all i've done for most of these guys is read their names um and so if you've picked up actual pronunciations please correct me and i apologize in advance to every single one of those players and their mothers and fathers um <laughs> but uh tekoa roby um it seems to be the headliner uh of the day in those in those trades and i i think he's got some of the best stuff um, in the Cardinals system now, uh, especially of, of those that are sort of in the double A to triple A category. So getting him back for a rental in Montgomery, I mean, I know, I think that we both or all of us sort of understood that Montgomery was have going to have pretty good value on the market, but to get some of that caliber is a little bit better than I expected. And I really thought they were going to have to throw in more than, you know, just a couple, couple of rentals to get that done in uh, Montgomery and Stratton. But yeah, Roby coming back is is a, a great get. And then I, you know, a couple days have passed. So uh, if I messed up the order and, and who went for what, then then excuse me. But uh, Sim Robers and Adam Kloffenstein uh, and then the infielder, um, do we know how to pronounce his name? Segace, I think. The Gase, yeah. Obviously, that combination of a couple deals there, but I think all of those guys have a high chance to not just reach the majors, but stick in the majors. And uh, Robers, in particular, has a pretty good chance to to be um, a back end rotation starter on a contending team. So, I mean, man, you've got to like that to think about two potential starters coming out of two deadline deals. 
plus a very, very useful player in in Sagis, Sagesi, Sagesis. I'm just Thomas. I'll just call him Thomas. Thomas. Craig Pocket, uh, uh, new the new version of Craig Pocket. Um, you know, these look like real legit players, and I, I just, you know, I wasn't wasn't sure what they would get. Um, and that's less than what they need for 2024, but more than probably I assumed that they would be able to pull back. Yeah, I think that, you know, again, and I don't say this necessarily about us, although we may have had the same problem as well, but definitely in some sections of the fan base, it's being that we've never been on the selling side of things. It's sometimes hard to realize that, yeah, you're not going to get, you know, number one, number two, number three guys for a two month rental. Right. I mean, that's just, that's just not going to happen. Um, and to see what the Cardinals did do to get guys that are not lottery tickets, I guess. I mean, there's, as we talked today, there may be a couple, but for the most part, they got solid players that have a good chance of contributing at the major league level. Yeah. I mean, especially on Sunday with, with guys that, you know, had value, but weren't coming back. Uh, you can't argue with that at all. Right, David? Yeah. You know, I, we talked about in weeks prior that people probably needed to keep their expectations in check because if you go back five, six, seven years ago, you were finding that teams, yes, they were trading their number one prospect. They were t- trading guys in the top 50 for rentals, but that's not the case anymore. And I don't know if it's just the way baseball's changed, the social media era where people get all over the GMs or what it is, but it, that's just the reality. It's not happening. And so all this talk about, yes, it would have been great if the Cardinals could have landed Gilbert from Seattle, but mm-hmm. that's not happening without putting a load out there. You know, Dylan Cease, he's not coming back unless you're just giving up a ton. And, and I think what we saw amongst all baseball this deadline is that really nobody was trading away young major league ready pitching for rentals. It just was Mm -hmm. not happening. You were having to give away lots of talent to get talent. And that's typically how it should be. So when you factor those things in, and I know some people are still having a tough time with it because they're already assuming that the 2024 season starts tomorrow and the Cardinals aren't ready. (laughs) Right. Um, You you look at things and think, you know what? This team did a pretty good job. Um, I I saw something today that maybe it was baseball America that did a, a study that said, of like prospects that get traded around the trade deadline, only one in five actually make it to the majors, mm-hmm. which you got to think some of those are, you know, throw in guys that are never supposed to make it. So if you, let's say you bump it to two and five, make it to the majors and have a decent career. If the Cardinals get two of these guys to make it up, so let's say two pitchers to make it up and actually be solid major league pitchers, then this has worked out. Uh, but of course, we don't know that that's going to happen. We're not going to know tomorrow. We're not going to know at the end of this year. But I think you have to be excited about the potential that's there. It, it's one thing if everybody they got was an A-ball pitcher who's 25 years old, or if they got guys that are 28 years old in AAA who have a 7 ERA. They got some quality people here. Yes, a lot of question marks. Uh, in a lot of ways, you're buying lottery tickets and hope you strike it rich. Uh, but I'm excited about who they got. Uh, again, you know, it's kind of like drafts in other leagues too. You, you're not going to know immediately. This doesn't pay off like the NFL draft does right away. But overall, I, I'm very excited about what the, they got with the return. Uh, a lot of guys who I had to look up their name, look up at their stats, didn't really know them. Some guys like Roby, who I've looked at a few times and recognized that. But I think they did a very good job for what they had to give up. Yeah, I, just a little preview of my article that's going to come out in the morning that I, I wrote, um, well, throughout the day and then finished up after this final deal went down. You mentioned, did you say, David, two of five prospects is a good return for a trade deadline trade? Is that what you said? Yeah, if Baseball America says that one of five make it and, oh, you know, five, yeah. you're su- and, and that's the, the, and it actually has a decent career. Yeah. Um, so if the Cardinals can get two of five, then I, oh, yeah. I think that's success. Yeah. Yeah. With, with 10, 10 guys added, two would be good by, by my estimates. Now, now decent career is going to change this a little bit, but in just looking at the talent that the Cardinals got back in the whole spectrum of their deals, all the way from Hennessy's Cabrera, all the way through mm-hmm. Jack Flaherty at, at the deadline, basically the 10 players that return, 
I right now I'm going to project that there's a high probability that eight of those players will see the major leagues in the next year and a half. Wow. Now, yeah. whether they now whether they go on to be Matt Carpenters or Matt Holidays or Albert Pujols, I'm not saying that at, at all. But but eight out of ten that have a strong odds, assuming they stick around. I mean, it's very possible that some of these guys could get moved in the offseason for for other players. I actually kind of expect that because there's so many of them. But to get eight out of ten that have a high probability, a, a low major league, you know, level floor of reaching the majors is, in my opinion, it's a it's a huge win and a huge haul for the Cardinals, even if it doesn't have that high upside plug and play rotation caliber guy at the name of it at the top of it. But you know, the rest of the players they got are going to be useful on some level or another. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Let's, let's go ahead and shift into today's trades a little bit. And okay. there's, there's two trades. And, and again, it's very interesting, I guess, to Sunder, except three of the four trades and four of the five, if you want to go back to Hennessy Cabrera, kept it in the bird family, uh, you know, uh, Toronto, <laughs> Toronto and uh, St. Louis having quite the connection, but also, of course, the last trade to, to Baltimore. Paul DeYoung goes to the, uh, the Blue Jays for Nick Swanson, who is probably Nick Swanson's Transylvanian relative. Um, <laughs> is it, it, David, one, what did you think of the trade? And two... Well, let's start with that. Let's let's. What did you think of the trade? Well, any Parks and Recs fans are going to have a lot of fun with this whole Swanson, Ron Swanson type little uh, wordplay here. You know, when I heard the name, I had no idea who the guy was. So, like most people, I had to jump on Baseball Reference and see what was going on. And I started looking at his numbers, and I thought this guy actually has some really, really good numbers this year. I wonder why he's not in the top 30. And then I realized he was in high school with Adam Wainwright. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, he's a little old. Yeah. He's, he's all, I guess he's, I hate to say halves, like, you know, like a five-year-old would say I'm five and a half. He's 24 and a half. He's closer to 25 than he is 24. And so he's not a young guy, but he's a guy that went to college. He went to Lehigh, which means I already love him. Cause as I've mentioned on here, being a Tar Heel fan, um, Lehigh, beat Duke in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. And I still love him for that. So, um, but this guy, he spent a lot of time in college, college player, uh, four year player from what I believe. And so he's a little bit late getting started, but he has put up good numbers this year. Now, will he make it to the majors? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, if he makes it, he's probably coming in as a reliever. I, you know, I don't expect we're getting Mariano Rivera with this, but this guy has the potential to be somebody who could actually be a seventh or eighth inning guy. I think, I think it may be his floor. <laughs> You're looking at maybe a double A or triple A closer. Uh, but you know, so many people wanted to young off this team the last two years and some really hateful things were said towards him that, the fact that the Cardinals were able to take DeYoung, who they were not going to resign, and, and we don't know what the financial situation is with this, but we know that he did have a buyout. He had an option coming up. The fact that they were able to take his contract, flip it over to Toronto and get something in return, you, you know, I think really getting anything at this point is probably a win, especially when you think about coming into the season with DeYoung's back problems. We questioned if he was even going to see the majors this year. I, I believe that he had already seen his last game as a Cardinal before the season started. So to get a guy who's actually putting up a below 1.5 ERA in the minors right now, sure, let's take a take a chance on him. Yeah, I think I misspoke a while ago. It is Matt Sponson. I think I said the wrong name. But Jason, I mean, again, like like David pointed out, he is a little bit older for the that the the league he's moved up to double a he, i think toronto had just bumped him up and obviously he's going to start in springfield what are your thoughts there yeah i, I pretty much agree with david um part of me wonders why uh, and this is the this is the problem with this kind of analysis i i like david i haven't i haven't watched this guy i haven't scouted him you know mm -hmm. and so i i do wonder why it took toronto so long to to move him to double a i mean even if his stats last year he was in a plus last year and he seemed to do enough there to warrant a promotion i'm a little surprised he didn't start the year in double a but there might be a reason i i just don't know and so for him to just i mean frankly dominate a plus ball at age 24 that's not terribly exciting but you look at the stats that are underlying there a 31 percent k rate 
a walk rate under 10, um, not giving up home runs at all. Um, that's a talent level that should translate really well to double A. And, and then we'll get a better idea. But to me, he just looks like the kind of arm that the Cardinals can make use of. And the level of outcomes for him is, is as broad as it, as it could be. But um, that's the kind of guy that, that even though he's a career minor leaguer and is, or I'm sorry, not a minor league, well, he has a career minor leaguer. That's not what I meant, though. A career <laughs> relief and will be making it as a career relief pitcher. Um, that's the kind of talent that the arm, the Cardinals could make use of. Anytime you have Ks, anytime you can limit walks, anytime you can limit home runs, that's the player the Cardinals will use. For sure. And it seems like, I mean, this next couple of months are a pretty good barometer of what they're going to see out of him, right? I mean, his first jump to double A and, and see what he can do against a little bit stronger competition. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the year, you look at him and, and you see what that's at. And obviously, even if he struggles, it doesn't mean you write him off. But um, if he can go through and the first first time around in double A and, and do something similar to what he's been doing, then you get a little bit excited about that. Yeah. Um, so here's a question for both of you. Paul DeYoung, we heard all, all here and there about um, you know, teams being interested or whatever the case may be. But if, if Bobochet doesn't get hurt yesterday, does Paul DeYoung, is Paul DeYoung still on this roster tonight? I don't think so, but I don't think he's a blue Jay. Okay. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, and looking, I, I didn't get a full report, but I saw something come across Twitter that indicated that Bichette, uh, they weren't even sure whether he was going to go on the IL or not. Now, maybe that's changed a little bit, but it didn't seem like a dire prognosis. And so maybe he still would go to the to the Blue Jays. Maybe they've got another plan there. But yeah, I'm with David. I think he probably goes regardless. Uh, there would have been someone out there that would have given you know, another uh, AA-plus level reliever for a guy like DeYoung this time of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it is interesting to see a, a trade like that come together so quickly if there were other bidders, but you know, that's also, again, we're talking about a guy that may have more talent than what it looks like on the face of it. So uh, maybe they did have other offers and they went with that one because it made sense. Um, so that just left us hanging all afternoon long <laughs> <laughs> As we all knew, we all knew that Jack Flaherty was supposed to be traded. He, he looked like every every sign said that Jack Flaherty's going to be traded, and yet when what four o'clock rolls around and he's out on the field throwing and warming up, um, and it comes to five o'clock, you know, four fifty eight or whatever the case may be, and he's still the Cardinal. It really, I mean, was there a moment, David, that you thought this isn't going to happen and they're going to keep Jack Flaherty? I think I, there was maybe 10% of me that thought that maybe they keep him. And it only because Derek Gould started tossing out the possibility of the qualifying offer and, uh, you know, possibly him taking the qualifying offer, the Cardinals getting a draft pick, and, and then you either have the pick or you have Flaherty for one more year. And then the other factor that came into that too, was that I felt like the market started getting a little saturated. It, it was kind of weird because it was really a seller's market. And then suddenly today we had Verlander out there, Lorenzen, uh, Rodriguez, who we didn't know at the time would um, say, sorry, Dodgers, but I'm not coming to you either. <laughs> and so I started wondering as time was taking down, I thought, you know, maybe Flaherty really doesn't have as much value as we thought. And maybe teams aren't after him. But at the same time, I think maybe a comment that I made to you, uh, Daniel, is that I, I thought that, Maybe the Cardinals, since his name wasn't being mentioned a lot today, I wondered if they were possibly in talks with a team that was also remaining tight-lipped as opposed to teams like the Dodgers who seem to just can't shut up. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I, I still felt like he was going to go. But as the day went on, I was kind of just, I don't know. I, I may have slid up to about, about 20% at one point. What about you, Jason? Was there a, a time where your trust in the front office on this was shaking a bit? Um, I wouldn't say that my trust was shaken. Well, I think my trust has just sort of been shaken in general, although they've, they've <laughs> redeemed themselves, I feel like. 
pretty well um, here at the deadline. But I, I would say I was quite a bit higher than than David. Maybe not quite to fifty fifty, but I could I could envision a scenario where where they decided that the qualifying offer was a better way to go for for a couple of reasons. Some of which, as David mentioned, kind of worked their way out on Twitter. One was that the roster and the forty man roster was kind of getting a little full you know it's you bring in 10 players and six or seven or eight of them have to be on the 40-man roster next season that's 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 a lot to deal with and the last thing you want to do is have to dump players just to clean up a roster mess so that wasn't a huge reason but then you also start looking at the qualifying offer and and there is a strong chance that the cardinals are going to have to sign someone in the offseason that has a, a qualifying offer attached to them so if you lose a draft pick by signing one of those players, but you have a player that's going to get you a qualifying offer, then the net return is a, is a plus or at least an even. And that's not, that's not as good a result as, as getting two or three quality players in response, but it's better than nothing. Right. So I can mm-hmm. see, I can see a scenario where that happened, especially as David mentioned, as the market kind of seemed to saturate at the last minute, which uh, was a little bit unusual, but um but it happens, so so then you got to adjust, right? Um, by the way, the the first returns are now in, um, and and John King has gotten a scoreless inning under his belt as a Cardinal. So trading deadline one, right? Um, Can vibe. the Cardinals play? Here comes the King when he comes in, or is that kind of like <laughs> is that too much too soon? Because it seems to fit, but I don't know if he's worthy of that yet. Maybe maybe a little bit. Uh, a little bit much and it may be trademarked enough that it may, it may have problems. What, was but. I the only one who, as soon as you heard his name, you went out to the internet and checked to see whether this was the son of Ray King. Like that was the first <laughs> thing I did. Oh, oh, she's not by the way. <laughs> very clearly not. No, but yeah, I did not think about that, but that does make, it was a king and show walter i'm like we're we just going, going after <laughs> kids what are we going after here and they're not never listening to either of them at all but i mean i mean it worked for toronto right they they get all the <laughs> right. offspring so so why not yeah. um so flaherty obviously does finally move to as you said, David, a team that probably has, has was fairly quiet. In fact, that may, yeah. may was that the only move they made, or if they may have made one smaller move. Um, Jason, I mean, we've got, and you're right here. We we would go with names, but as uh, these are Preto and then Drew Rom, Zach Showalter. What's your, I mean, those kind of leaked out, right? It wasn't. This was this was like the weirdest thing because it was like, oh, we hear one name and we're like, oh, okay. And yeah. then we get another name and it's like, okay, well that's, that's, you know, quantity. That's okay. And then all of a sudden there's a third name and it's like, you know, are we sure that it's done? I mean, you know, <laughs> right. so. you're waiting for that fourth name just to really throw us <laughs> off. Right. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, first, first blush on these guys, what are you thinking? Um, well, in some ways I kind of want to start at the end uh, and work forward because if you're if you're asking me the who's the real prize of that of that trade, it's it's Zach Showalter um, that that kind of impresses me the most, even though he's the furthest from from reaching the majors. Uh, here you've got a 19 year old kid who was drafted, I believe, in 2022, mm-hmm. um, but already just in a ball at that age he's getting a high level of strikeouts he's controlling walks he's flashing dynamic stuff he's he's exactly the kind of guy that the cardinals have talked about drafting and adding and really really haven't been able to do it uh you know in some ways and i i'm gonna i'm gonna put out a, a qualifier as soon as i say this in some ways his performance right now at this age in a ball it reminds me of Tink Hintz. Now, Hintz is better, and Hintz's stuff is better, and his performance was better, but you're talking about a guy at the same age as Hintz last year doing things that aren't quite as good but aren't that far off, and it's it's just really hard not to be excited about that kind of talent. David, I mean, do you want to touch on Showalter before we hit the other pieces of this puzzle? Yeah, Jason... Jason nailed it. It was kind of one of those weird things that 
when I first saw the initial trade, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And then suddenly I just, I see this name just kind of start popping up and I'm like, what, what's going on here? I, who, who is Showalter? And I, I didn't know what was going on if the Cardinals had made another trade or what. And I started looking into this guy and I thought, okay, this is not just a throw in piece. This isn't just, I hate to say it, a John King piece, but it, it, it wasn't yeah. like that. Yeah. A perfect game had him ranked as like the 81st prospect in the draft. There were other organizations that had him top 100 yeah. really odd because he was drafted in the 11th round, but he was drafted out of high school. You just don't see that, but right. it's were... almost like he's the kind of guy that they expect. I don't know if this is true or not that they expected to go on to college and then he signed anyway, you know, that, that's that kind of yeah. player. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. He was committed to South Florida yeah. and they signed him for over $400,000. They basically yeah. signed him for the price of like a fourth or fifth round pick right. and two way athlete. Uh, and, you know, I, I said I made a comment to Daniel earlier today that I felt like this, like you gave Randy Flores another pick and he picked a 19 year old who, right. you know, like a third round pick. But then I looked at it a little more and I thought, no, because 19 year olds typically aren't an A ball and 19 year olds aren't pitching this well in A ball. Uh, this is a little bit better than that. And so I was pleasantly surprised when I saw him thrown in there and started looking at all his numbers and, and what he was doing. And, you know, you hear stuff like people saying, well, he's got some control issues. Well, yeah, he's 19 years old. Like he was just in high school. Give him a little bit of time. The guy hasn't even just focused strictly on pitching yet. Um, what's funny is, you know, I try, I read the grades, but I take them with a grain of salt. Yeah. And it, it, even as of 30 minutes ago, the athletic had not upgraded their, or had not updated their grades to reflect mm -hmm. Showalter. And the athletic absolutely blasted the Orioles for making this and praised the Cardinals for just really? those two players that they got. What's wow. funny then is on the other side of things, ESPN had the full trade and they blasted the Cardinals for getting nothing and praised <laughs> the Orioles for getting a number two for their rotation. Right. Uh, so you, you just, you have to be careful with that. But yeah, I was, I was very, very surprised and very happy to see his name pop up on there. Um, because I think this guy has the most potential of anybody in this trade and yeah, it's going to be a while, but when that time comes around, whether he is pitching for the Cardinals or he's pitching for somebody else because they flipped him, uh, I think this could be the pick or the piece of the trade that pays off the most. It definitely sounds quite exciting, and you're right; it's a it's a piece that's always off. But then again, you know we've seen with Tinkins, uh, these kind of guys can move fairly rapidly or feel like they move rapidly, right? I mean. <laughs> kind of starting to feel like Hintz is knocking on the door, even though he's not really, he's still got some, some, some room to go, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a name we'll be hearing a lot of over the next yeah. two or three years and probably be tracking. Um, let's go with, with Drew Rom, who was, as far as I know, and I, I may have missed uh, one of the only people that had to, that was already on the 40 man roster out of, out of these deals. Obviously John King was, but um, Drew Rom on the 40 man. So he'll be added to the Cardinals 40 man as well. Um, pitching at, uh, at triple a already. So he's within reaching distance of, of the majors, but you know, at first blush, the numbers aren't all that exciting. Uh, Jason, is there more to it than that? Um, I'm not sure. I'll just be completely honest. Sometimes if I'm on a podcast or doing my own podcast, I'll just give an answer. So, uh, so I sound like I know what I'm talking about. But in this case, I, I really want to be careful here because, because, um, I really feel like this is a player that I need to watch for a while, uh, to be able to tell you, because from what I've read and what I've heard, um, I, don't understand how he's getting some of the results he's getting. Not not in terms of ERA and FIP. That kind of makes sense. His ERA this year is five point three four. His FIP fielding and independent pitching is four point two one. Four point two one is not bad for right. a twenty three year old in AAA. Uh, five point three four ERA is never good, but that comes with a strikeout rate of twenty five percent when he has what Fangraphs gives him as a 30 rated fastball and <laughs> you don't know on a 20 to 80 scale right 20 being mm. the the worst of all time 80 being the best of all time right a 30 rated fastball is 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 bad i mean that's a bad fastball 
it's so bad that I, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that, <laughs> that he can be striking out 25% of the batters he faces with a, a fastball like that, um, especially since they also don't give him dominant uh, breaking or off-speed uh, stuff. So, you know, he's doing something that's that's generating swings and misses, and Mazalak in his little press conference after the trade deadline uh, listed Rom as a swing and miss guy. So... Um, and he's got a really high bat pip, a bat pip, uh, batting average on balls in play of almost 400. Well, that is the kind of thing you would expect for a, a guy with a terrible fastball, but that doesn't match with the K rate. So I don't even know what to make of him. Um, he looks like he's a guy that could be useful. And anytime you've, you've got someone striking out that many, uh, batters from the left side of the mound in AAA, that's a major league player. But I really need to get a look at them before I have any kind of serious evaluation. Yeah, David, even though this this trade, like we said, dribbled out in a different way, it kind of, when you look at this, it kind of feels like Drew Rom is that throw-in piece. He's the John King of this trade, right? And that he's the guy that that maybe at some point is is filling innings just to fill innings. Um, but but maybe, like I said, maybe there's more there. You hope so. Um, you know, I'll admit I'm, I'm like Jason. I wish I could say that I've watched so much video of this guy, but I haven't, I haven't seen him pitch other than a couple clips I've seen on, uh, Twitter earlier today. He was one of the guys that I looked into a little bit when we started hearing the Orioles name come up. And one of my issues with trading with the Orioles, when we were talking about pitching, pitching, pitching is that even though their system is so deep, they are lacking those pitchers. And so I didn't really see a good match there. Uh, now once you go out and make the Montgomery and Hicks trades, yes, you can kind of start incorporating some other things and looking elsewhere. But if we're talking pitching, it just did not make sense to me to look at the Orioles as your number one trade partner. And so I looked at Rom, nothing really jumped out at me. And I'll admit, Jason, I saw the fan graphs 30 on his fastball. And I wondered if it was a misprint because I thought, I don't know if a guy can actually make the majors or at least make triple a with a 30. I was like, is and that's what they were having him max out at too. And I was like, right, I, yeah. I don't no know. Future proge- no future projection there at all. Just 30. Yeah. 30. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's, I, there's not a lot that's exciting about what he does, but he has found a way to get to triple a. Now, if you go back and look at 2021 and before his numbers are really, really good. Um, but something happened around 2022 and when he started kind of getting moved up and things just aren't looking good. I mean, his whip this year walks and hits per inning pitch mm-hmm. 1.7, which is not good at all. So when I first saw that his name come out as thinking it was a one for one trade, as some people kind of made it out to be, it was a very, eh, I don't know if this is going to work out. And um, one of the things that really stood out to me when I was first looking him up last week or earlier this week is that one of his comps was J Hap. And it kind of, in my head, I was like, Oh, Mo is making this trade. Mo is definitely making this trade for future J Hap. Uh, I didn't think it'd be for Flaherty though. I thought it would be some other package. So, you know, it's one of those guys you really hope that maybe the Cardinals see something, maybe there's something in his mechanics. Uh, maybe there's something they can change and they think this guy's got potential. We just need to get him straightened out. Um, you know, right now I'm just, I'm not sure if you can expect much other than maybe a triple a pitcher or maybe a guy that I don't know, comes out of the bullpen occasionally, but I'm not, he's probably low on my list of everyone they got of who I think is actually going to make the major leagues and be effective, even though he may be the most major league ready. Right. Well, and my, my only counter argument to that, because I I agree with you generally is that if you've got a lefty in triple a who has some level of swing and miss stuff, that player is going to see the majors, you know, they just, they just are. And, and from, uh, from Romero and others, and the Cardinals have always cycled through their lefties. And so Rom is going to see the majors probably at multiple points in time this season, next season, he'll have plenty of opportunities. So if they can do what they've done with some of these other players and add a little bit of velocity to them in the off season, then maybe he, you know, maybe he gets to where he can stick. I'm not willing to predict that yet, but he is a guy that's going to see the majors in the next year or two. Yeah. And, you know, when I saw that he had that 30 on the fastball, but (laughs) saw how far he had gotten, I did think without seeing him, I thought this guy has to be deceptive in his delivery somehow. Like batteries, 
batters cannot be seeing the ball well out of his hand if he's made it this far with that poor of a fastball. So there's got to be some deception there that's confusing people. Uh, he may be one of those guys where, you know, the former loogies where you wish that there was no three batter minimum, but uh, something is there that's worked. And hopefully the Cardinals can tap into what worked two years ago and bring that back. Yeah, that would be the ideal. It does seem like the Cardinals are at their best, or when they have good teams, is when they can rotate through their bullpen, and that's you know, guys with options and guys that can go back and forth from Memphis. It it only helps, right? And that's that's a guy that can do that uh, right now. So we'll see how that pans out. the The first piece that came out, and possibly, I guess, probably the main piece when you're looking at uh, evaluation, uh, Cesar Preto. Um, a uh, a middle infielder uh, with some some pretty good contact numbers, if nothing else, David. It, it looks like you know we've got some. Well, let's see. I, I think this is the second of <laughs> the second person the Cardinals traded for that got a Brendan Donovan compensation. Yeah. yeah, they're just loading up this team with Brendan Donovans. Just hopefully some <laughs> of them can throw. That would be nice. Um, you know, I mean, even Taylor Motter is starting to kind of look like Brendan Donovan if you squint a little bit. Uh, or maybe squint really hard. Uh, but yeah, this guy, this guy hits. That's, that's what he does. Uh, he doesn't do much else, but he hits, he hits and he hits. And he was one that I felt like people needed to caution themselves on because if you, if you immediately go to MLB and look at their top prospects and you see he was ranked 16th uh, for the Orioles. Yeah. That can kind of turn you off a little bit. But when he was ranked 16th, the guy was, had just finished hitting 255 and was struggling. Since then, he has been a hitting machine. Uh, not much pop, but he's a guy that has a nice swing. He doesn't strike out much. Um, he is just a solid, solid plus hitter. One of those guys that you wonder if in two, three years, other teams are going to be saying, and I kind of mentioned this the other day about another player, is this the Cardinals' devil magic back again? Who is this guy? This guy looks like he's been a cardinal for the last 10 years and he's here destroying other teams because of his hit tool um an exciting player not a big guy but uh you know I, i've heard from for some, from some people who have seen him play in person and they say he's an exciting guy to watch and so um he's he's gonna be an exciting fun guy to see play what are you thinking jason yeah, about the same. You know, the I, I really wish that we would get more creative with these comps because <laughs> it seems like if someone has a utility player profile, we're like, oh, it's Brendan Donovan. It's like, well, Brendan Donovan is a really weird player, <laughs> right? With a, a really high level of contact ability and, uh, and, and an elite walk rate. Not These guys aren't Brendan Donovan uh, just because they, they play the middle infield. And so... And like I mentioned with um, Sagis or whatever his name is, <laughs> that, that other guy, right? You know, someone like Craig Paquette might be a good comparable here. I was trying to think of a good guy for uh, for um, Prieto. Sorry, man. I, I, I hope I'll get these right one of these days. But I don't think he's listening, so you're good. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah. So you're talking about a guy who really doesn't walk. But he also does not strike out. In, in, in this year, 2023 at AAA, a walk rate of 7% and a K rate of 8.7%. I mean, those are, those are crazy numbers. Uh, but he's got a slugging percentage of 471, but only two home runs. So he, he's, doing, he's doing all of his work through balls in play. And that's, that's just not what Brendan Donovan does. Brendan Donovan walks. So someone like... Um, Aledmus Diaz might be a fair comp. I realize both of them are Cuban defectors, and so there's a little bit there. But Diaz was also maybe a little bit more power-oriented, but a contact bat. He didn't walk. He didn't K. Played the middle infielder, was a utility player. Very similar WRC+, plus, weighted runs graded plus uh, stats in, in AA and AAA from Prieto. So someone like that, someone that the Cardinals are going to make use of, someone who was going to make the majors and then swing the bat a lot when he gets here. So let's, let's just take this whole thing as an overview then before I want to shift to, to a couple other questions, but on the whole, and it sounds like both of you would agree. It feels like the Cardinals not only did what they had to do, but they did it pretty well. Uh, Jason, is that, is that accurate to say? Yes and no. Um, I, and what I mean by that is that in one sense, what they had to do because of their roster, 
is they had to get pitching for next year, in particular starters. Now, we've already said that we entered this process knowing that was not very likely. Um, so if you judge it on what they had to do, they, they needed to do more, but they've also put themselves in position to do that. They now have all of these pieces that they can move and trade. All of their cost control talent is there that they can move. Uh, I think their path towards acquiring three quality rotation pieces in the offseason just became a lot easier than it was before. But if you remove that need from it and you just evaluate the deadline and who they acquired based on who they gave up, I, I think it's an unqualified success. Uh, it just couldn't have got any better. They got they got talent at, at every level. They got a ton of major league uh, potential. It, lower in the system, they've got some real high-level potential impact talent in, in Robbie and Showalter and they've got some position player depth. They've got some bullpen depth. They've got some starter depth. Um, they got it all and except for like outfield help, but they didn't really need that anyway. So yeah, I've got no complaints with what Mosaic in the front office did. And, and I think in many ways by completing all the trades and getting the quantity and quality of players that they did, they exceeded my expectations. Didn't, didn't reach my highest level of, of hopefulness, but exceeded what I expected they would do. What about you, David? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I heard a, a radio, local radio station saying this morning, they were saying, are the Cardinals better today than they were yesterday? And then their answer was no. And they kind of just left the conversation at that. And I thought, you know what? If the playoffs started today and the Cardinals were, you know, in the hunt, then okay, sure, you could make that argument. But we don't, the Cardinals don't need to be better today than they were yesterday. They need to be better for game one next year than they are right now. And so I think those steps were made. I know people are going to be disappointed. They don't have Scherzer in the rotation. They don't have Verlander. They didn't get any of the Seattle uh, starting pitchers. That was pretty much unrealistic. But what they did is they yeah. acquired talent that they can either help develop to help them in the rotation, who they could possibly trade. They took some money off the books, too, that could help them next year in free yeah. agency to possibly go out and get that ace or get that two or whoever it is. And so I, I think when you look at what everyone else did in baseball right now and you see that the Cardinals were not just some outlier who just didn't want to play um, you know, with with the big boys or something like that with how these trades were going – I think you have to look at everything as a very big success. Now, I will say I'm a little bit shocked that an outfielder didn't get traded, but I'm also a little bit okay with that. I, I've said many times I do not want to see them sell low on Dylan Carlson. Now, maybe that's a mistake on my part, and maybe they need to get rid of that log jam in the outfield, but I think that could be handled at the offseason. doesn't have to happen right now. So just from a standpoint of this trade deadline, I am very happy with what they did. You look at their, you look at MLB and what they say with their top 30, the Cardinals added four new guys to the top nine. I, I mean, that's, that's unheard of in a lot of ways, four guys to the top nine. When they throw Chase Davis in there soon, they're going to have five new players in the top 10, which is really amazing. Uh, this farm system has been a little depleted. Some from some of the moves they made from guys graduating out of it. This really put a lot more depth in there. And I think, Within a year, within a two years, three years, we're going to see some of these guys being major contributors for the Cardinals. So, yeah, I, while I would love to see the Cardinals have their ace in the rotation right now, I'm happy with what they've done to this point. Yeah. Um, so you kind of stepped on the question that I was about to ask, um, but that's okay. I'll, I'll forgive <laughs> you for this stuff. Uh, but I did want to turn it to a little bit of what the Cardinals didn't do. Um, as you said, but didn't didn't do anything with the log jam in the outfield, not even, you know, Juan Yepes for an eight ball pitcher or something, just to clear a little bit of, of room up. And didn't with Paul DeYoung moving, I guess he did do a little bit to the, to the infield, but there's still some of that tension as well. Although with Brendan Donovan going on the injured list, perhaps that takes care of that as well. Um, Jason, were there things that you thought, they should do or that they had a possibility of doing that, that didn't happen that you really wish they had done. Well, I think that you kind of mentioned it a little bit. If, if you look down the roster a little bit, I, I did expect, uh, I think you guys at some point made mention of this um, either, either in the gateway podcast or with, um, Oh, with uh, Richard in, in one of your specials. Uh, I, I did expect that some of that sort of 
uh, roster, you know, flotsam would go like uh, like a Moises Gomez or a Juan Yepes, uh, Luke and Baker, kind of guys in that you know class that that maybe a change of scenery would be useful to them. And I thought they might need to include a name or two like that to kind of make some of these deals happen. Or potentially another thing that I thought they might do that they didn't do is bring in someone like a John Lester or a Hap or. Uh, uh, maybe not a Quintana, but someone of that level just to kind of give them innings this year. And that didn't happen either. So I was a little surprised by that, but none of those moves really have any impact on, on the overall deadline or their future. It just, they've got a, they've got a roster, you know, mess that they're going to have to clean up. And, and, you know, a lot of that's going to get pushed to the off season now. Yeah, um, there's quite a bit of that. David, I know you talked about wanting, thinking that they might bring in that that veteran starter, that you know, 36 year old um, guy that is on his last legs, but could actually feed up innings. I, I'm I'm a little bit surprised they didn't do that too. Anything else that you thought that they might have done? I'm very disappointed that Rich Hill is not a Cardinal, just <laughs> to let Adam Wainwright feel a little bit younger. I expected to see some outfielder moved. I was never sold that they were moving Carlson. I think it's really tough to sell teams on a player when you're using him as your fourth outfielder and a platoon mm-hmm. player. I mean, how do you drum up the value for that? Um, you know, hey, this guy's fresh. You know, he's got fresh legs. He can come out and play for you. You just, it doesn't work. I, I'm curious. I I may be wrong. I feel like the Cardinals and Yankees were probably deep in negotiations at some point. Um, I feel like the Yankees really wanted one of the starting pitchers, and I think they wanted an outfielder. And I also, I kind of wonder if they wanted Kisner. I know they've looked at some catching. And so I was waiting for a trade like that to happen. Um, you know, I got excited when I heard a Beater's name. Um, a while back that the Cardinals were interested in him and actually had publicly mentioned their interest in him, or at least through Derek Gould. And so I kept an eye on that, but I think the Yankees, when they started losing, they decided to bow out of things. And like we saw, they really didn't make any moves. And so I, I won't say I'm too surprised at the moves that they didn't make. I, I was just expecting maybe something big to happen, but I'm okay that it didn't, uh, but they do need to straighten things out. We mentioned way back in spring training that having too much depth can be a good problem to have, but nonetheless, it's still a problem. And we saw that this year. Um, they have depth. They just have too much of it. And it seemed like it caused a lot of problems at the beginning of the year w- when it comes to the offense. And so hopefully they will get that sorted out. They need to figure out who their three outfielders are. They need to figure out really who their fourth outfielder is going to be as well. They need to get everything situated. So guys know what position they're playing every day. Um, we don't need to do the Taylor Motter experiment four times next year and just sign and let him go, sign and let him go. So it's time to, I guess, trim some fat and then also shore up some areas that really need it. And so I expected a little bit of that, but I'm not going to complain too much. We'll see what the roster looks like as we start start heading into spring. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is trying to judge these things when the there's still so much left to do in this offseason. Now, I guess part of that is because we've become conditioned to think that the off season is going to be a time of, well, absolutely nothing um, because that's kind of what it has been over the last few years. But it, I, I think that I don't think there's any way the Cardinals can go through this winter. And they've even said, Hey, we've got to do some things this, this winter. They've got to do a lot of things this winter. And I think, you know, that, that regard is going to be more active. I, Again, I do hope that at least, even though they didn't clear up the situation, I do hope we're going to see, you know, three outfielders pretty much constantly out there. You know, you know, let Jordan Walker play outfield and figure out how to catch a fly ball and, um, you know, figure out who you want your three to be and, and play them every day. Um, you know, Matthew Libertor is going to be in the rotation the rest of the way and, and do some more things like that. And, I mean, they don't often get two months of major league – um, training lab, basically, but that's what they're going to get this year, and hopefully they'll take advantage of it. All right, any any last thoughts, uh, David? I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Anything left over from this whole thing that you want to mention? It's been fun. In some ways, it feels like the season has peaked at this point because yeah. there's not a whole lot more to look forward to. But um, hey, maybe they'll make a run. 
Maybe they won't. Maybe we'll see Mason Wynn come up. Hopefully we see Wayno get 200. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep tonight, a happy person. Um, and hopefully they fulfilled all your birthday wishes, Daniel. <laughs> uh, well, we'll go, we'll see, we'll see about that. Uh, Jason, any, anything that, that you want to mention from, from this whole experience? Yeah, I guess all I would say is that I don't ever want to do this again. And I don't think most <laughs> Daylock does either. Um, you know, I, I've always been sort of transaction junkie. It's just kind of always not, it's not the part of baseball that I like the most at all, but I just kind of like the inner workings of, of front offices and trying to figure out rosters and things like that. It it fits my analytical mindset, but um, this was too much. Uh, it was stressful. Uh, it was uh, frustrating. It was crazy, but not crazy at the same time. And I really prefer the Cardinals just to win. And and then maybe they disappoint us by not adding who we would like at the at the deadline, but at least we don't have to agonize over, you know, five potential free agents exiting and all the stuff that comes with it. And then I don't have to write an article in half an hour that talks about 10 different <laughs> players. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, let's never do this again, guys. I hope we don't. Yeah, I, I will say if we ever do it again, I hope we're on the other side where we have to make yeah. three or four trades to bring in exciting players and ship out prospects rather than try to uh, rebuild a farm system. Um, but, you know, it's been 30 plus years since we've had to do it. I think I feel pretty good that this team isn't going to do this again next year. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think they've not only, of course, you know, we went into this year not thinking that it was going to be like this either, but I think they have, it has been a wake up call to this organization and um, you know, whether they'll be able to fix it all or what or not, I don't know, but it feels like they're going to be a lot more competitive next year and we should not be selling off. Plus they won't have five free agents probably either. So that'll help as well. All right. Well, again, this has been an interesting experience. Uh, I almost forgot there was an actual game tonight uh, after this, you know, after everything was done, it's like, oh yeah, we can watch them play too. Um, so uh, it's been fun guys. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, look for Jason's article tomorrow. David will join me Sunday night. We'll talk about some of this stuff again and probably, and, and what else has gone on this week. But until then for Jason and David, I'm Daniel. Good night. Is there any point where that... Well, I think right now I can tell you that we're going to trade people. I just don't know if it's going to be like household names or or more of guys that just aren't likely going to be here next year.